Stevie. <laughs> How are you doing, my pretty friend? I am doing okay. How are you? I'm doing pretty bad, but that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> oh, we should, should we do a hooray? Maybe this would be a good day to do that. <laughs> Hur- oh, yeah. Yeah, let's do that. Okay. I thought you meant a hooray for Jillian winning her Golden Globe. I mean, you mean like in our lives. That's the ultimate hooray. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll go first. I got two things. Oh, hell yeah. Two hoorays? Um, Two hoorays aside from obviously Jillian yes. winning her Golden Globe and looking like an absolute My god. Goddess. Like who gave her the right? Anyways, give me your things. My two things are that I started watching the L Word. Mm-hmm. For anyone who's watched the L Word, you'll know you'll appreciate this, but I would say maybe a minute into the first episode, I was already gone (laughs) that's all i have to say and i think everyone who watches the l word will know why i'm so happy that you're enjoying it well it's like am i enjoying it i I, okay (laughs) i'm happy that you're getting what you were looking for from it thank you yeah that's a better way to put it um (laughs) i have no idea what's going on in the plot outside of tina and beth's storyline who are like i think pretty kind of like the main like they're like the nucleus Mm -hmm. but um bet you know what i mean (laughs) emily's in love another milf for me to stand congratulations not even stand just another milf just another to to my collection (laughs) just another milf could be the title of this episode honestly (laughs) can we do it (laughs) my other hooray so got a milf my other hooray is I'm knitting a scarf and it's pink. It's so pretty. It's very, I've, I made a lot of headway. Did you? Um, yeah. Last night when I was, when Stevie and I were watching the Golden Globes, I was furiously <laughs> knitting. I think knitting is a good way to get out Just sexual tension. <laughs> row after row. I couldn't be stopped. Just furiously um, needling. Yeah, no, seriously. I was like, because you like, okay, I'm not going to do it. Obviously, this is not a visual medium, but <laughs> I was just, you know, yeah, I was going. The other day, Emily texted me and was like, I feel like knitting. And then she fucking went and got some yarn and some needles and look at you, almost a full scarf in. Like, independent. That's being an, a modern woman, an independent woman. <laughs> I wholly underestimated how much yarn I was going to need. I feel like that's you probably a theme. For people who knit. Yeah, I got two bundles and I ended up having to go back and get, I was going to get two more, but there was only three left. So I just got all three. Hell yeah. My hooray is that I cleaned out my car and ate um, a, a meal before noon. That's amazing. Thank you. What was your meal? Uh, oatmeal and tea. Lovely. Oh, and then I made avocado toast on garlic bread, like homemade garlic bread Mm. that my mom's client makes for us. Yum. Oh, my God. It was so good. Okay. So for today's corner that has a million names, (laughs) um, we were going to use this for Jillian's corner, but then we were like, no, like what a great just segue to... Anyways, this episode is about Jillian Anderson because she deserves everything in the world. The episode sucks, so... Literally every corner of this episode is going to be 
inhabited by Jillian Anderson in a different form. Perfect. For this beginning sex corner, we're going to be talking about a quote that was from an interview that Jillian just did. And she was asked, which is, I think this is like one of my favorite questions she gets asked because she gets asked it quite often. And it's always a different answer, which makes me so excited. See, I think it's a different answer, but it's the same thread. Oh yeah. It's, it's, love. it's like a different flavor of the same, what's that metaphor? Yeah. How do you do that? Yes. Same, the same font. It's the same sentiment, just in a different font. There we go. Yeah. Same like food, different flavor. Is that also one? Same cake, yeah. different flavor? <laughs> Never mind. Okay. So the question was, what is one piece of advice that you would give your younger self? And she said, Today, more than ever, so many young women really, really struggle with self-esteem. The minute we start owning everything about ourselves and accepting we are who we are, we are how we are, and loving ourselves for what we are exactly as we are. (laughs) It's at that moment that we start to radiate that. I've known so many people through the years who, whether it's sass or charisma or personality, you're drawn to them. You're drawn to something about them as a whole human being, and it's got nothing to do with their body shape or whether they are traditionally beautiful. You're just drawn to that person because they own who they are and they're okay with who they are. You can't make that shit up, and it takes work. It takes work to find a way to accept ourselves exactly as we are. But the dividends, it's a big word, (laughs) the dividends of that, as hard as it can be, are exponential. Gee, I wonder if she was teaching one of her children uh, math. When she was gave this interview, <laughs> she's thinking about the metaphorical meanings of dividends, dividends and exponential numbers. Um, that's what I would. T- <laughs> that's what I would tell my younger self: do that work, get there as soon as you can, because it can only brighten your life and make your experience be less self-obsessed and more confident, so that you're worrying less about you and start to be mindful of other people. There are so many different ways that it can reward you other than just not feeling like a piece of shit every day. I can't believe that's really what she such said. a way with words. <laughs> so beautiful. I too don't want to feel like a piece of shit every day. <laughs> I wonder when she got to that point. I know. I do too. But well, from that one interview, which now we're posting in the thread. Oh, hell yeah. Um, where that woman interviews, <laughs> interviews her. Where the woman who has, like, what did she have on her necklace? Milf or something? Oh. Um, milf lady? Yeah. The two milfs in director chairs, that interview. <laughs> two milfs in the director chair. Um, two milfs, one director chair. That's the title. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> that interview, she says that she started to feel feminine and se- and I know that's not the same thing, but I would assume that that is... Um, coupled with coming into herself yeah. and kind of feeling like confident she, she, and grounded in herself yeah like she said in her 40s that makes me feel better for being where I'm at right now that makes me feel so much better and I like that's the thing that I love about this quote is that she focuses on which I am trying to reframe for myself as well she doesn't frame um this she doesn't frame this as confidence she frames it as like an acceptance Mm. so then the difference between those two things is like confidence has to be rooted in something 
right? Like you have yeah. to be able to say like, I'm confident that about I'm a good friend mm-hmm. or yeah, I'm confident that I'm funny or I'm confident that I'm lovable or whatever. Yeah. Whereas with acceptance, it's like you do, you just, you accept um, that you are allowed to exist in any form. Even if that form is not feeling confident. It's and, shitty. Yeah. yeah. It's feeling really shitty. I love that she takes that angle because I was so shocked and I'm just so proud of her because she's come (laughs) so far. And the thing that, um, the reason that I love that she always brings this up whenever she's asked this question is because one, well, it's, it's sad that like she spent so much of her life not feeling like grounded in herself. And it sounds like being very hard on herself as she did. But then on the other hand, it's, um, comforting to know that like, even when she was looking like when we think she looked like the most beautiful woman in the world, Mm -hmm. she was still not feeling like she was. The fact that that was very real for her is, is very, I mean, it's sad because it's a larger issue, but it's comforting to know that someone who we think literally has no flaws can feel like she's the same thing. Yeah. Um, And I think it, it, gives me a sense of comfort seeing um the kind of reflection that she has back on that and and that she can look back on it with like sort of clear eyes and um attempt to I'm sure it's not perfect but like live with that kind of self-acceptance now and that it's Mm -hmm. possible to get there because I feel like frequently I get stuck in the mindset of that like wow all of the self-work is so daunting like it's never going to I'm like, I am just flooded with problems societally and personally. And like, I don't, it feels like, um, like it can feel like you're drowning. And so seeing somebody with the strength to not only persevere through it, to, but to be able to grow, um, to grow through it as well, I think is comforting to see. Well, and also just the fact that so much of, of her um, healing and so much of her uh, like stability within accepting herself hasn't been linear I think too like that's very comforting as well yeah because it isn't linear and I think too to go on what you were saying it's like even framing like confidence and framing the an acceptance of yourself is like you have to fake it till you make it it's like that implies that like yeah. there is some end goal, like there is somewhere to make that, it to. That then you will make it. We were just talking about this not that long ago yeah. about like I find that I personally wish for a like tangible finish line a lot of times when it comes to doing any kind of healing work, um, wanting something to to show, to be like, yes, this is proof that now I've made it. Um, mm. And so the, you're like so right in that the way that she frames that is just being self-acceptance and that self-acceptance can still exist in um, when you feel at your lowest, that makes more sense in my head than um, yeah. it seems feasible rather than trudging along to a non-existent finish line. Like I've used the metaphor a lot um, in therapy to that I feel like healing work is like climbing up a flight of stairs and getting to the top and realizing that they built more stairs. (laughs) And um, this doesn't so much feel like that. Yeah. It feels more like exploring a pasture. Everything's a field. Life's a field. (laughs) Life is a field. No, it's, no, it seriously is. And I think too, it's like with the acceptance of just 
um, allowing yourself to be as you are, there, there's a certain stability that comes with that. And I think that that's what gets um, translated as confidence. Mm. That's a good point. Like, I, and I love the other point that I love that she made is that um, once you find that, it starts to radiate mm. from you. Um, because I've, I've found, I've absolutely found the exact same thing. And just working where I do, I get so many people that I'm interacting with. And there are some people who like really, really have an impact on me and stand out and like who I still think about interacting with and meeting. Um, and there are other people who like very, very small things and very small, like micro actions within interactions, um, reveal like a lot about mm-hmm. a person. Yeah. And so I, and I, I just, I love that she included that because it is so, it is so true. It's like people who are just truly grounded within themselves just radiate like this aura of joy and beauty and it has nothing to do with their physicality. Yeah. And I think um, framing that like she does to focus on, to focus on um, self-acceptance so that you can be less self-absorbed, which seems like contraindicated because you would think that like focusing on yourself would make you more focused on yourself. But that makes a lot of sense that like once you're focused on being grounded and you've like built those roots for yourself, um, you can then spread your attention to those around you and be a more compassionate and more and be a better friend and be have a bigger impact on people. No, that definitely makes sense. And I think it's because like when you, um, I think when you are, I mean, you and I talk about this all the time, but it's like people's inability to step outside of their own ego. And we say, I say ego is like the being suffocated by oneself, like not, not, not an awareness of oneself, not like a presence of self, but like just being completely shackled and confined by the idea of oneself yeah not like ego in the way that we talk about it on a you know like someone's very egotistical not like that um but I think that that has a lot to do with it it's like self acceptance and and um analysis and of oneself um is self it may be self-obsessed but it's self-obsessed in a way that translates into um stepping outside of one's ego in order to harness and cultivate a better um understanding of those around you and a better uh, sense of empathy and caring and all of that mm-hmm. so it's self-obsessed because you are focusing on yourself but like you said ultimately the um dividends <laughs> that come from doing that are ex go beyond are exponential they go beyond oneself yeah it's true but it's you're truly articulating that perfectly but it's the same exact thing because the other part that i love that she talks about is that it takes work because it does <laughs> And this is very much so like a journey I'm still on and, you know, I'm still getting there. I try to be gentle with myself because I know that the hardest relationship I will ever be in is the one with myself because I can't walk away. Recognizing that just acceptance is 
in all forms is the only way to uh, cultivate and work on that relationship. It's so in knowing that it's, it's comforting to hear somebody that I love and admire talk about that as well. Yeah. I mean, I think there's um, a lot that can feel really lonely in, in lots of healing journeys, depending like on everything that you work on, it can feel very isolating and like, it's easy. I know for me at least to get very wrapped up in nobody's feeling this way. Like nobody else is like, it's just me and I'm alone in this. And like somehow I'm at fault for feeling this way or for struggling with this. Like it's something that I'm doing wrong Mm -hmm. and hearing somebody talk openly about struggles that um, you find commonality in is something that's like so specifically powerful and moving um and i'm just i feel grateful that she talks about it and that she is at the point that she's able to articulate it in the way that she does and it gives me a lot of um hope when oftentimes those mindsets can feel the most hopeless um and that's pretty cool yeah she really said being you makes you hot and she did and like that's so i mean definitely easier said than in practice but it's a good reminder oh yeah i mean yeah of course i mean all of um i can talk about all this shit that i need to do all day am i gonna do it i don't know (laughs) (laughs) and i also today because today is march 1st that we're recording this so by the time this comes out probably happy six seven eight mm. yes happy international women's day oh, this is this will be coming, coming out, out international women's on day? international women's day oh my god <gasps> women women um wow women oh i'm happy we <laughs> realized that we were recording let's just take a second women women well what i wanted the video that i wanted to bring up because someone oh yes 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 I retweeted it too. My favorite video, I think, maybe in existence on the on the internet. And we posted it before, but we have to post it again. We have to. She is the queen of my heart, right next to Jillian, and now Bet apparently. Um, (laughs) (laughs) No, but it's the uh, woman who's being interviewed by some freak, um, and he's asking her if. why if why she oh she, no he's talking about how she he thinks that she's dressed like a slut yeah and she just completely walk talk circles around him and there's one part where she said he says um uh i think you look like a slut and she's like okay and he basically says how do you what do you what do you dress like and she said, like, or what do you think you're dressed like? Or why did you dress like that? Uh-huh. Or whatever. And she goes, I'm dressed like a woman. Yeah. And I think that's the hottest thing ever. It, like that, oof, that like, it, that'll make your pupils dilate. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, that line and the power that she says it with, this girl, this girl is my icon truly and she talks about how like all women are sluts and the fact that it's reclaiming something that's been um used as like a box to put women in and it's like you can it's just a facet of yourself that you can reclaim and make into whatever you want and there's a point where she says um that she's a virgin and then she said and then the guy said 
And then she said something else later on. And the guy said, but I thought you said you were a virgin. She's like, no, that's the point. It doesn't matter what I am. Yeah. That doesn't define what that is. Slut is not for you to use, uh, to project something onto me. Slut is for me to reclaim, to represent a part of me. Mm Mm-hmm. And that is whatever I want it to be. Like, and she's literally saying this shit on the spot. If he, if I was in her position and he came at me with the force that he did her, I would have just um, lost my shit. Like, I would not have been able to stay as composed as she did. Well, yeah, because that's like his whole, that's his whole thing. Like, I mean, she was also on a billboard in Times Square. So. Incredible. She, he had nothing on her. No. But I just love that she was like, I am more than the projections that you're putting on me. Like, fuck you and your ugly striped shirt. I know. She's like, I watch that all the time and it just like fills me with like love and hope and like just feelings of community and inspiration. Yeah. And it's so beautiful. Okay. Should we get into the yeah, episode? Yeah, get to the episode. This is Fearful Symmetry. I don't fucking know what number it is, but it's in season two. It's in the middle. Uh, this is a nice, fun little episode that extends the show's fetishization and perpetuation of female reproductive trauma onto animals. How fun. Zoology. <laughs> I used to think when I was little that zoology was the same thing as Scientology. So we open on two men cleaning in the Idaho Mutual Insurance Trust. Um, and the only time we see people of color is when they're literal service workers. So that's cute. The guy smoking the cigarette is the same actor who plays the mm-hmm. guy who killed Melissa. Oh, really? I didn't know that there was ever a person yeah. uh, named or a face given to the person. Yeah, him and Krychek. And then he her. shoots Kramer, or he shoots um, Kramer. Where am I? <laughs> he shoots. Krychek kills Melissa? Well, Krychek was there. It's Krychek and this guy. No. Are you kidding me? And then this guy. Sh- this guy shoots this Skinner is, at one point too, in the in that whole in the whole Piper Maru arc. This is I feel like Jillian. This is news yeah, to Jillian me. Yeah, Jillian literally know yells that. at him with a gun in his face, like she tackles him. This guy, we love reusing actors. Anyways, so there's sudden um, rumbling while they're working. The glass shatters, and they run and look outside, and things are randomly being like destroyed. Cars are moving, and lights are bending, and lots of stuff is happening. So cut to some construction workers. They hear rumbling too. And then one of them gets trampled by a seemingly invisible force. So now we see a truck driver starting wild. Yeah. And then we see a truck driver driving early in the morning and then suddenly elephant in the road. (laughs) And it kind of just walks away. So police are understandably called and the elephant was just found laying in the road. And like this literally, this scene literally made me cry. Like, there, it was so unnecessary to yeah. show the elephant dying in the road. I also don't know why it was necessary to show how traumatizing it was, clearly, for this little girl. I know. That they focused on. Because then I was just thinking about it. I was like, wow, that girl's going to have some major trauma from this one moment that we're witnessing. What was the fucking point of that? Yeah, that was weird. I thought, yeah. Like, even more disturbing, I was thinking just now. But I say was as if it was in the past. Well, I guess it is in the past now. <laughs> Anyways, so <laughs> the more I keep talking, the more in the past it is. So <laughs> I was thinking that maybe it was supposed to be some like symbolism of like this girl, like, you know how people say like women are connected to animals and like the universe yeah. and the animal kingdom. So, it, mm-hmm. you know, what we end up finding out was happening with these animals. It could have been the X-Files fucked up way of being like this girl 
somehow subconsciously on a deeper level could feel that the pain that this animal was going through or the 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 um like stress that this animal mm-hmm. was in well that's fucked probably it was a female it was a female elephant right yeah because it, it did look like she was about to like put her hand on its head and like <laughs> I, and like have a moment yeah like, look into its eyes weirdly human looking eyes anyways so then there's the credits right so then we see scully questioning the cleaning men who said that they didn't see anything Mulder says um the security cameras didn't catch anything either so scully thinks it's like a sonic boom and Mulder's like no look these cars look like they've been trampled and then he says the construction workers who um was the construction worker who was killed had his spine completely crushed he says like a string of seashells which was just an unnecessary metaphor but here we are um, and then Mulder also said that he had a mark that looked like an elephant's footprint on his sternum. Um, Scully is like, if you're still suggesting that the elephant did this, like you're tapped. And so I'm assuming that he like really went on about this in the plane ride over. He was like, no, Scully, it's an elephant. I swear to God. And she was like, I don't want to fucking hear this anymore. The only thing Scully ever wanted to hear Mulder. No, the only thing that Scully wanted Mulder to be doing on all of their long plane rides together was come hither. <laughs> a nice come hither gesture. A nice come hither gesture. Under I mean, blanket. Why do you think they give out blankets? Not that they were flying first class ever, but. I feel like Scully probably, I feel like Scully brings like a blanket and like a neck pillow and like she like is very prepared on a flight. I really also could see Scully having to grow out of this phase of wanting to wipe down the seat yes but no she definitely like went through a phase where she was like so grossed out by the seat and melissa i'm sure when they were young was like oh my god get over it totally like, people sit on toilet the public toilet too and so it's like i don't use public toilets which is weird because i feel like maggie was very much so like the parent that was like no let them you know put stuff in their mouth when they're little and let them like sneeze on each yeah. other because then <laughs> because then you know yeah is that is that true or is that a wives tale where it's like if you get the more you're exposed to germs as as a young child the stronger your immune system is as you get older i've also heard that i have no way i don't know if it's true or not. anyways i feel I like maggie so. scully would subscribe to that belief yes Especially with too. four children i feel like you would have to yeah, and then I feel like Dana grew up the youngest, so they cared the least, but then she was, like, freaked out by germs and dirt. Totally, yeah. That's cute. Wait, is she the youngest? Yeah. Scully is the youngest? Yes. Dana is the youngest Scully? As was Arlene's, but yeah. Why am I just finding... I'm learning so much. <laughs> I didn't know that Charlie yeah. was the youngest. Oh, I forgot about Charlie actually. Maybe oh, oh you, I think you're right. I think Charlie is the youngest and I just think of I because I if I didn't realize that Scully was younger than Melissa. Me either. But she is. So that's true. So then she's the second youngest. But like we don't really count Charlie, so um I like analyzing Scully's plane habits cuz they're flying so often. They travel so much. Like I love thinking about what they do when they travel, like on the long road trips and in the motels. Like, what does she bring? Like, what do they talk about? What music do they listen to? Who controls the radio? So many things. I also have nothing else to contribute to this beginning part other than this, like the still of Scully saying an invisible elephant is just so precious. Like, I think I might just have to make that my 
um, new header or something. I have to just capture oh, yeah. that moment. Because her, like, the screen cap of her looking like a roaming goddess, like, with her blue eyes and her bone structure in this scene, and um, then, like, with little caption, an invisible elephant on the bottom, it's just so <laughs> cute. That's, like, good vibes all around. Yeah, and it was at this moment where I was, like, <clears throat> she really doesn't have a single flaw on her face. Like, every yeah. part of her face is perfect, even her teeth. Mm-hmm. which to which i say she's so beautiful i could eat her teeth <laughs> which is a saying it is a saying people there's a card that says that and i bought like 50 of them because i thought it was the sweetest thing ever it's so cute so they go back and forth and about it and they're like super bantery um and then somebody from the zoo ed comes up and he apologizes for being late but they had to transport ganesha the elephant's body so apparently ganesha also, ran shakes scully's hand you fucking I know. freak he only shakes Mulder's hand and then he just kind of like head nods oh, at her. Yeah. like shake her goddamn hand asshole he's an asshole yeah. um so apparently Ganesha ran herself into exhaustion, but they're not sure how she escaped because her cage was locked and there was no signs of tampering. So Moldo talks about how he's read about Elephant Rebellion and Scully looks at him like, oh my God, does he sit his home- at home in his underwear reading about elephants and their <laughs> behavior habits? Um, she, the past couple of episodes, she's really had moments where she's looking at Moldo like, like what? I feel like at this point in her life, she's very much so like that, that thing that I said a couple of episodes ago, where I believe that Scully would just go on walks and like contemplate yeah. every choice she's made that's led her to this point, I feel like is extra true because the last couple of episodes, Mulder's been talking and she looks like she's going back and forth between the thoughts of like, why did I want to marry him more than anything last night? Like, why was I crying because I want to marry him so badly into my pasta that I made? But then she's like, wait, but that's also kind of cute that he sits at home and he reads this stuff and he's not like abusing his girlfriend or something like that. Like I, like I, like my ex-boyfriends used to do. Yep. To me. And all of that flashes on her Right? Like it looks like. He's like, I read about Element Rebellion and she's like. (laughs) Like that's all the that's all the thoughts flying around. Exactly. Um, so Ed directs them to talk to Willa Ambrose, who knows more about the elephant. She's apparently the new reigning authority, and Ed, Ed seems like he really has his dick shriveled because of that. So our cute babies go together to talk to Willa, um, and they. I, I just have one point when yes. she when she walks away at the end of that scene before mm-hmm. they go see Willa, her silhouette. Is just she's walking away from Mulder. I think mm-hmm. her silhouette is just immaculate. It's so stunning <laughs> because from behind you see her kitten heels, this like structured black coat. Her clothing is becoming so much more tailored. Yes, it is. Love it. Her little straight-legged camel pants that are like just poking out at the bottom of her coat like everything looks very symmetrical and structured I love it and then of course her gorgeous like light auburn hair and then I had a thought I just ran I was really just I love it go this episode shit yeah 
And I decided that like, if she, if she was my wife, right. She is my wife, but like, just pretend like, and like we were walking down the street, right. If I wasn't holding her hand all the time, because I would just be holding it all the time. But if I wasn't for some (laughs) reason, I would absolutely want to walk behind her. Like I would 100% want to walk, want her to walk in front of me one because she's the boss, but also two, (laughs) because like, what a view. And I would do pretty much anything to see her look back at me over her shoulder when she's walking like that. And then three, just the thought of um, her walking, right? Mm -hmm. And her like beckoning me by holding her hand out behind her. You deserve that more than anything. I'm a simp. Dana's so she makes me a simp. Well, so is she. Okay. So they explain to um, Willa the sitch, um, and she's super unhelpful, but eventually she shows them where Ganesha was kept. Scully is looking super sus, and she's like, why such a small cage for such a large animal? And I think she said the same thing about Mulder's briefs once. My entire mouth is coated in almond butter. Oh, my God. <laughs> Um, and do you think Mulder wears boxers or briefs? This is something I'd like to discuss. No, time out. Time out. (laughs) You just hold on. Hold on. That joke is the perfect joke. (laughs) And I'm saying this again because I need to say it. I got really excited and I told Emily the joke last night because I was just, I was too happy about it. And I'm telling all of you right now, that is the perfect joke because one, it's so accurate like she absolutely would say that to him for like seriously and like she would think that it's he would think that it's the sexiest thing ever say say the line again what does she say um she says why such a small cage for such a large animal <laughs> that line is so fucking ass backwards when you think of it in that context but it's so accurate i know <laughs> that's why it's the perfect joke it's per equal parts comedic, ridiculous, and also accurate. And that's the holy trinity of the perfect joke. Thank you. I'm so proud of it. But do I think Mulder wears boxers or briefs? I feel like, <laughs> as if we didn't already have this discussion. We can, just, well. we can just say what, what conclusion we came to when we talked about okay. this. So we had, we had this discussion last night. And the conclusion we came to was that Mulder would absolutely be a briefs man. Mm-hmm. I also, like, wouldn't doubt if he was a briefs man because he just liked to look at himself. Yeah, for sure. Like, briefs were more flattering. And I feel like he was, like, spastic when he was young. And he, like, was moving all the time and needed, like, that support. Mm-hmm. No one likes and- a dangly dong. And then... <laughs> I'm definitely going to try to convince you to let me call the episode Dangly Dog. (laughs) There is a part in Seinfeld where Elaine says, I don't know how you walk. I don't know how you guys walk around with those things. I think about that on a daily basis. I know. But then um, I told you I was feeling weird. Why are you putting these images in my head? I'm sorry. So So then... Stevie and I concluded that at some point when Mulder and Scully had been sleeping together for when when she would know that he regularly regularly wears briefs mm-hmm. yeah that she would tell him that briefs are actually very bad for maintaining a healthy sperm count for men and it would be like 
post-coitus in bed under the sheets, them laying there. Like, that's her their pillow talk. Of course. Also, I don't like Willa. Right from right from the start, I was like, she's so annoying. Because Scully is, like, just looking around at the cage. She gets so defensive. And this woman, like, has the audacity to be like, ugh, no, elephants can't jump if that's the dumb question you're about to ask. Scully's like, no, I was just observed. I- but also, Scully's so gorgeous. So she handles care, she handles Willow really well. Yeah, it's it's really funny because she comes back like on um, this like animal rights uh, tirade. She's like, actually, no, Willa. Do you think Scully and Mulder ever went to the zoo together at any point? I feel like let's say there's an alternate universe where Mulder and Scully are there together with William. I think they definitely would have taken William to a zoo. Definitely. 100%. Just the two of them, I feel like Just the two, two of them. You mean in an alternative universe where Chris Carter is in an absolute asshole? Yeah, the universe that we like to happily reside? Yes. And also I feel like I'm trying to remember now like how Mulder like reacts to the zoo. Um, he seems to know kind of a lot about it, so I feel like maybe his dad took him to the zoo a lot when he was a kid and like he likes to go, and so sometimes they'll go and like he'll be like like for his birthday maybe they go to a zoo for him yes that feels right i also can see Mulder being like a child and like coming up behind her and like nuzzling her neck and talking about something highly inappropriate that the animals are doing yes i could also see that 100 percent while she's trying to like actually observe something that she or she's trying to read like the little descriptions because she definitely is a description reader. She like, reads everything. And at, yeah. And at museums and stuff, like she definitely reads absolutely everything. Mm-hmm. While he just comes up behind her and whispers dirty things in her ear. Wow. So Willa talks about how she was brought on to create more humane um, environments for the animals, but that it takes time. She's very defensive. Um, she talks about how she's disallowed the use of, of tie-downs when she got on. That was apparently Ed, the guy that we met before. It was his practice. Um, Mulder asked how relationship with Ed Meacham is, and she's like, well, I'm his boss and I'm a woman, and Ed doesn't like that much. And Mulder is like, huh, I would happily let Scully boss me around. I think he wants, I think he wants her to. Um, so Scully asks if Ed would have let Ganesha go, like, as an act of sabotage against her. And Willa's like, well, that'd be dumb because the zoo's already on the verge of closing. So they're, because they're also dealing with the dub, what, go ahead. I was just going to say, I don't like, um, I think it's telling that, uh, Willa's talking to Scully the way that she is because, I understand being a woman in a man's world, having to have a certain level of stoicism and detachment from emotion mm-hmm. in order to be taken seriously and to survive. But you're speaking to another woman. So it's like, yeah. stop being condescending. Save yeah. that for the men. Literally. It's like, she doesn't know what's happening with your zoo. That was a valid question. Yeah. So apparently they're also dealing with the WAO, which is a wild again organization, which is a radical group that believes any captive animal is a crime against nature, which doesn't sound super radical to me, but we move. I think so. Um, So they talk to a member of the WAO. His name is Kyle. I didn't realize that until later, so I just keep calling him the guy (laughs) with the hair. (laughs) Um, About the atrocities that are done to animals in captivity. Um, And Scully looks stunning here. So... Do you want? Do you want a moment? You already posted these screenshots. I already posted. So, <laughs> I already posted them because, listen, there's something about Dana Scully 
with her head like back into the side like up into the side and like kind of looking down Mm. although it's not really looking down for her it's that allows her to look eye level (laughs) I would know (laughs) but I'm not nearly as um sexy or assertive as she is to actually size people up like that I'm just like (laughs) stop you're so sexy and assertive okay thank you that's like your entire Twitter persona. Exactly. <laughs> Twitter persona. That's still you. So apparently this guy Kyle has been arrested for kidnapping, or as he says, liberating zoo animals before. And then he shows Mulder and Scully some videos of Ed Meacham abusing animals. And they're um but they're trying to get proof so they can like shut down the zoo completely. Um but and it's, Mulder It's also funny because I'm not like quite sure. Um where this like aggressive pro animal rights stance comes from in this episode with um, Scully? just with with just the whole vibe like with, i know with everyone yeah. um i'm not minding it but then Scully's really like i mean i agree that you know animals shouldn't be held captive but like you can't have monkeys swinging through manhattan like She's like, that'd be a huge inconvenience for me. <laughs> I know. But she's like, yeah, it's, I mean, I don't think animals should be held in cages, but like... She's like, but they can't just be out with people. <laughs> like, that That would be very inconvenient for me. She's like, I don't want to deal with elephants on my morning commute. <laughs> and that's my girl. So Mulder's like, um, what about Willa Ambrose? Like, um, isn't she trying to stop these practices? He makes a condescending comment about how she's too preoccupied to know how um, Ed Meacham really operates. She's apparently fighting a lawsuit with the Malawi government over a lawland gorilla named Sophie. And so apparently Willa rescued her 10 years ago, raised her like a child, and now the Malawi government wants her back. Um, And then Kyle goes off saying, this is the perfect example of man's imperialism over the animal kingdom. This craven impulse to turn animals into objects for our own selfish power. And I can't help but think, huh, that sounds a lot about, nope, that sounds a lot like man's imperialism over women. A little bit. Just a little white people's imperialism over yes every other race yes literally it's so fucked up but they're like but no this is what matters yeah let's get let's get mad about the i mean i'm not i'm not it's not anti-animals rights yeah listen free the large animals you know he's a straight white cis man and i'm like don't you but this is the only realm you're passionate about this this is where this is really the only this is where you're gonna put all your energy I just feel like a lot of times animal rights is used like um, as a way to deflect from other activism. Like it's like, like I do this and only this and I feel like a good person so they cannot um, be conscious in the other areas of activism that the same issues are manifesting. Well, because I mean, to a certain extent, it has to be an easier form of activism because you're not, you don't know what the animals want. Yeah. Um, they can't speak for themselves. So there is, of course, always going to be a certain level of authority. Um, and that's going to be unequally distributed. Yeah. Between the two I, parties, like between the marginalized and the people fighting against that. Yeah. 100%. So, so they leave co- talking to, t- to Kyle. Um, Scully goes off with her science shit and she's explaining how the animal could have gone unseen and like because of like the light and people's eyesight and whatever all this stuff and Mulder's like nah it's an invisible elephant 
I also love in this conversation, um, it's something really, really small, but the, um, the, when she, they're talking to Kyle, um, Kyle uses the language of liberation for the animals. Mm -hmm. And then, um, later on like in this scene when scully's talking to Mulder, she starts using that same yeah word. that was my literal next note yeah and like at first she did mock kyle a little bit mm -hmm. but um she continues it for the whole episode yeah but then later she says that she thinks um they're planning on liberating another animal and like my first thought was just like she would be the best fucking mother ever i know and I hate Chris Carter for taking that away from her. And what I think is interesting is that, like, I it seems like the line was written with her changing to liberate so that, like, every time she says it, it's almost in a mocking way. But Jillian doesn't choose to deliver them like that, which I like. Yeah, no, she didn't. Because she definitely could have. Um, so Scully says um, that she thinks they're going to liberate another animal. So, um she stays to watch the WAO people and then Mulder leaves to quote unquote, talk to the animals. Um, he zooms, he's like, he zooms, like he like video calls the three stooges oh, yeah. and they tell him that there's um, lots of lore around the zoo and it's a big UFO sighting hotspot and um, that no animal from, from Fairfield Zoo has ever brought a pregnancy to term. Um, they also say that Sophie, the gorilla, knows sign language and has a fairly large vocabulary. Um, as soon as they mentioned, for whatever reason, that no animal at the zoo has brought a pregnancy to term, I just thought, I have a bad feeling about this. As you should. Your gut was correct. Yeah. Um, Frohicky harasses Scully again, doesn't Virtually. he always? virtually this time but when he got all close to the camera and he goes i'm buff it reminded of it reminded me of us on facetime when the when one of us has like done an arm workout we're like i look i'm buff yes that is us actually um so scully calls Mulder and she goes Mulder, it's me i was right and what a beautiful line um she followed a kid from the wao to the zoo um who's about to make it over the fence so Mulder says he's coming okay all right Preview, preview to uh, um, Mulder, Scully, and Crycheck threesome. <laughs> so then we get to watch Scully climb a fucking fence, which I think is so fun. Um, and then so she runs after... Oh, go ahead. Right before she climbed over the fence, I was like, please climb over the fence. I was like, please, please, please do it in your heels and trench coat. You're so cool. Please. Because she kind she of does. is like, I don't know. Like, she's kind of like, do I do it? I don't know. She's was, like, fuck, should I do it? And then she fucking does. Oh, my God. Um, so then she runs after knockoff Spike. Did you ever watch Buffy? No, I didn't. But he looks like a knockoff Justin Timberlake. Oh, that's a good one, too. But, like, also not a piece of shit. Yeah. Um, like Justin Timberlake is. <laughs> well, the guy that I'm referencing is also a piece of shit. So maybe he just gives up piece of shit vibes. Um, so she chases him and then all of a sudden Meacham is behind her and he fucking, he's like scolding her like a father, which was weird. Um, and she tells him there's a member of the WAO on the, watch it. She tells him <laughs> there's a member of the WAO on the premises. So they run off together. Um, we see knock off JT. So I'm going to call him setting up something. Um, 
I literally had no idea what he was doing. It was so dark on the screen. <laughs> I was outside and I was like trying to shield the screen. Um, so Mulder peels in. His wife is gone. So he also hops the fence. Um, I was like, whose wife? <laughs> Mulder's wife. <laughs> so Spike is walking around um, with a camera when all of a sudden the animals start freaking the fuck out. There's a bright light and boom, the animals are, are gone slash invisible and out of the cage. So Spike gets attacked and killed by an invisible tiger, I think. And then the camera that falls on the floor, like, catches it all on tape. So they go to talk to Kyle. Scully's really mad at him for his lack of emotion around both the animal and the dead man. Like, she's pissed. So Scully said, I made a note about this as well. And Scully says, um, for such a principled man, you show an amazing lack of emotion. And, like, one, get him. But two... Now we also know, based on how Scully, um, or how fiery Scully is about his lack of emotion, that she definitely finds Mulder's openness, like, oh, the yeah. hottest thing ever. <gasps> yeah, that's a really good point. Which, in turn, just makes it even hotter. Yeah. This also fuels this headcanon that I have seen, maybe that I subscribe to, that Mulder, Mulder's way of getting... Um, scully like really fiery and like turned on is to just like act as monotone and stoic as possible (gasps) so that she can pretend like she doesn't really care until she's on his lap trying to like get a moan out of him Mm -hmm. i agree (laughs) (laughs) two subscribers to that i think i subscribe (laughs) so um the fucking guy Kyle is like, well, if an animal killed this man, it was a natural act. And she tells him that if she finds out he was releasing animals under his orders, she will make sure he spends the rest of his life behind bars. Like, she's furious at his, like, egotistical, like, I don't give a fuck attitude. Like, and so I definitely can picture Mulder doing that when they're in a fight and her just losing her fucking shit. Um, so she's real mad about this. And, and I wrote, I'm trying to figure out what exactly it's triggering within her. Like, why exactly she... I think I have an, I think I have an answer for you. Okay, then t- hit me with it. Because I thought the same thing. I thought, like, what a weird case um, and, like, a weird man for her, for her to, to get so, so angry. That, yeah. Um, but then I thought it's very likely that this feels very controllable to her. Mm. And she's able to take the lead. She connects most of the dots. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's also why she, because it's very weird that she also is just like, okay, I'm going to go um, stake out at the zoo. I know, by herself. Like she does. By herself. So I think that it's a case and a thing that feels very controllable and very uh, solvable mm-hmm. to her. Yeah. Um, and in turn, something that would be very satisfying, obviously, because um, that's what you want. You want closure. Um, and whether that whether that end, but even so, whether that ends up solving the case or not, it's a point where the suspect and anger is warranted and rightfully so. Even beyond the case, she chooses to expel those feelings because she knows what she saw. Yeah. I think that she takes a lot there. She's grounded by no, by th- obviously by knowing what she saw to be true. Mm-hmm. And I think like with the perpetrators, you'd think she'd get really mad at um, her trauma presents her with a different reaction, um, which is equally as valid, but it's just different. 
like I think with um, Faster, we saw her shut down and she became mm. distant and introspective and she disassociated a bit um, because of her previous trauma from violent men and mm. being preyed on as a woman and her abduction. Um, and so when she feels this anger bubble, it makes sense that it would be in a case that's kind of like so far up the wall and goofy, um, but still has a human cost because yeah. the foundation of her anger and like where that manifests, which would be like loss of life, victims of violence, um, is still there. Like those elements are still there, but the stakes of targeted violence, like she's experienced in mm. the past, isn't. Yeah, that's um, a really great analysis. Thank you for articulating that because I was like really wondering, but I didn't yeah. have mental capacity to. And I think think that that's what I think she. I think yeah. I'm not going to repeat myself because I know that I made the point no, that I wanted to make. But I point. think that that is why, and I love that she's getting angry about this and is allowed to express it. Yeah. Um. Until I'm a big fan of that. Until the, until. Until. Until they walk out into the hallway, but that's another story. With Donnie Faster, I'm sure she wanted to get very angry. Of course she did. I mean, I, yeah. I, I find it difficult to believe that she, that part of the reason why she um, got into this field wasn't to specifically protect women and vulnerable mm-hmm. um, people, yeah. you know, specifically vulnerable people. But when that doesn't happen for her and she disassociates and she kind of closes in on herself i'm sure that was really frustrating for her and so Mm -hmm. when she does feel this anger bubble she just like lets it all out yeah i agree wholeheartedly Mulder calls scully out and she goes you know that man really pisses me off and then he goes are you okay and she goes yeah (laughs) and i just thought the way that they like delivered that interaction was so cute well it's like this is the issue right part of me is like this is physical proof that women are have to just restrict themselves even when they're angry they aren't given the space to express that and he's like okay are you ready to come back to reality now and like actually do work as if meanwhile he as if yeah yeah. he hasn't let his anger drive him professionally ever in the past Mm -hmm. um but then on the other hand it goes back to like the show being problematic but like i can't turn away like her yeah. little yeah is so cute. Her little yeah is so cute. She, yeah. It's so <laughs> cute. Especially because she said the first line with so much fervor. Yeah. And, and he's like, yeah. are you okay? And she's like, yeah. It's so cute. Um, but I agree. So Mulder tells her that the footage shows um, the man being t- attacked by not a tiger, but some kind of phantom. And she's like, no, dude, he was clearly mauled to death. Um, and so they go to try to talk to Sophie, the gorilla, who apparently is ill. She had been taken out of her public habitat six weeks ago because she got really, really withdrawn and depressed. Me too, Sophie. Um, and all of um, all she signs is light afraid. And so they look at a bunch of Sophie's paintings. And Willa talks about how up until recently, Sophie had desperately wanted a baby. And apparently the brown object in the center of it demonstrated that. I don't know. It seems <laughs> a little presumptuous to me. Seems a little presumptuous. I would say. could have wanted a coconut. I would go so far. I would go so far to even say a little unnecessary. Yeah. But this is like the beginning of the projected compulsory motherhood that they put even on animals. Like that's just so palpable. Yeah, at this point, at this point, I was just, I just wrote the gorilla wanted to get pregnant. Ta ta ta. Like, okay. Literally. 
Um, Willa talks about how they try to look for a partner for Sophie, but with the current conditions, Willa decided against it. It just seems weird. Um, so then Mulder makes the women do an autopsy of the fucking elephant. This scene, with- I swear to God. This, has, this is on Jillian's like the 30 things she remembers about the X-Files, isn't it? Yeah, this has this has to be one of the dumbest things I think I've ever seen in my life. That she's 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 standing like how is like, the elephant being inside, held up? Like so much so many things didn't make sense. It's just me. it's just like the wildest, wackiest I think image on on my screen I've ever seen. Yeah, I feel like um, actual zoologists that watch this are probably really frustrated. Probably very frustrated. Um, so Mulder just like watches them while they do this, which is annoying. And so they talk about how difficult it is to bring a pregnancy to determine captivity in general. Um, can't mate in captivity. Marriage is a prison. Did you really just bring up my favorite quote ever? Of course, of course I did. This for you. Stevie really just did that. <laughs> I know that's your favorite quote. <laughs> Gloria Steinem did an interview and the interviewer I feel like we've was, posted this before. Have we? I think so, but say it again. The interviewer asked um, Gloria Steinem if, why she wasn't married and Gloria Steinem said, because I can't mate in captivity. This is the perfect episode to put that quote. And I just think that I'm in love with her. And that's the most perfect answer to any question that's ever been asked ever. Nothing will top it. It's literally so perfect. Um, She's wise. She's a wise lady. She is. Clever. So they pull out um, the elephant's uterine tissue and it turns out that she had been pregnant at some point. Um, This is only going to be handled well. I can just feel it in my bones. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I'm confused on if the pre- if the um, elephant was actually pregnant at the time or if um, she just had been at some point. And they were like, no. They're like, what this I think is? she was pregnant at the time. So Mulder thinks that they'll find evidence of the same thing when the tiger returns. Cut to the tiger returning. Um, it traps two construction workers. Ed and Willa fight a little bit because Ed's going to go in with a gun when he could be going in with a tranquilizer. Um, men love to kill things. Willa finds the tiger and, t- and um, before it attacks her, Ed shoots it and the tiger dies. And he says, they don't all talk and draw pictures. And I just think it's nasty that Willa is invalidated by Ed and by the writers of the episode for having compassion for an animal because they turn that valid compassion into a mothering blind spot. And I think that that projection of women being powerless to their like overriding instinct to propagate and mother is gross. Well, and I just kept asking myself after this scene, like, why didn't she fire him? You're I know. Boss. I would have it's like fired she's him his on boss. the spot. Exactly. Like, like the oh, fuck? I never do that. Yeah, a lot of questions. Because, like because even though she's the boss, men don't know how to write female bosses. No. Like, they don't They're know like, how to write women. Conflict. Yeah, they don't know how to write women as being in charge. So they still write the man as having this commanding and domineering personality and getting mm-hmm. away with it. Despite yeah. the fact if that had happened the other way around, that woman, woman would have gotten fired. Yeah, exactly. A hundred percent. But do you get what I mean about the like projected compulsory, compulsory? I think mother so. Way? Yeah. 
that it's like she would just be so blinded by this instinct to mother all animals that she wouldn't be able to make rational decisions like just right it also it also suggests i mean but this this goes back to like what the episode is about which is just that it suggests that like animals have to contribute to advancement of humans in some way to be worthy which is just i mean so far off from yeah all rational thought oh 100 percent I feel like my biggest thing about that specific scene is how it's like, it, it would be valid for her to have compassion and not want to kill an animal if not necessary, right? Like that makes a lot of sense. But they, they use that compassion as like, oh, that almost gets her killed because her, she's a silly woman who can't control her emotions. Like Totally, yeah. And her instinct to mother, like, fuck off. Um, so cut to the board telling Willa that they're withdrawing all funding from the zoo and Willa's understandably upset because the only thing she has going for her in her lawsuit um, was having a place to keep Sophie. Um, Scully did an autopsy on the tiger and the tiger had also been pregnant. It was at this point that I, that I thought, why do I have the slightest feeling that they're going to make this another plot of reproductive trauma where a pregnancy like they did in Aubrey where a Mm -hmm. pregnancy causes the animals to somehow where the pregnancy causes no where the pregnancy or the where a pregnancy puts the animals in a position where they um are where they are uncharacteristically harming people mm-hmm. like that happened with with yeah. the woman in aubrey like, where that pregnancy fuck? triggers some sort of violent reaction <laughs> Who in the writer's room had a pregnant wife who was just, like, really going through it emotionally and they couldn't take it? So it's like, in this episode, that's sort of right. But the only difference is, like, the only reason the animals are violent is because they're not in the wild. And they see the the humans as a threat, of course. But it's, like, weird to tie a pregnancy into, like, it's just, it's weird. It's weird. It's very weird. Because it suggests that, I mean, this episode is about reproductive trauma, but it suggests that it, it is, in fact, the pregnancy that triggers this violence yep. from the animals, who are normally, you know, according to Willa, loving creatures. So weird. Which also serves to discredit Willa. Yep. Yep. <laughs> the, the whole episode is basically just like, let's discredit Willa and demonize pregnancy. For what reason? Couldn't tell you. Um, so Mulder then suggests that the animals are being abducted by aliens to be, um, like their DNA to be preserved, question mark. At this point, I thought they're being inseminated, but now I realize that that's wrong. You know, so Mulder basically says, I think that, um. Like they're doing their own Noah's Ark, right? Yeah, like they're taking the embryos of these pregnant animals so that they can start their own animal kingdom, basically. Okay. Um, but then he also says that like the animals are, uh, abducted from the zoo and then dropped like, you know, at some same coordinate, which isn't true. That that's a flaw in this. The tiger wasn't, wasn't, um, brought back away from the zoo when, when, when she was returned after being abducted, when the WAO guy went into the zoo Mm-hmm. and all the animals started freaking out and the bright light happened right but the tiger was there and then it was like the tiger was like made invisible and then it attacked and then it was taken then how did it get out of its cage 
like it, that it was like moved and then taken. I don't know. Like you're right. Is there something wrong with that storytelling? Right. There? But like, because I was thought, almost like I thought it, the whole thing. I mean, the invisible thing makes no sense. No, it doesn't because it's like <laughs> so. The elephant was there, invisible, running through, and then gradually became visible again. Is like it seems like in in their storytelling mind, it's like they made the tiger invisible. The tiger was moved out of the cage. The tiger attacked. Then the tiger was taken and then left somewhere else. Maybe still invisible. It's unclear. Yeah, like that doesn't make any sense because with the with the um with the elephant, you get the impression that the elephant was taken, was abducted by aliens, then it was <laughs> dropped somewhere and it was invisible. Yeah. And then it just it became visible again. And then as it, it just walked. became visible and it died. And the next thing you know, a tiny redheaded woman is climbing inside of you. I mean, which honestly you fast. doesn't sound like <laughs> a bad Wednesday night to me. Yeah, the aliens are making a Noah's Ark with the animals. Mulder says that he thinks Sophie is pregnant and that she's afraid of them coming for her baby. Um, and then they have a very convoluted conversation with the gorilla. And she says, baby, go flying light. <laughs> and that's about as clear as this whole show is. Yep. So Scully comes in and tells Willa that the sheriff's deputy came and she thinks that they're there to serve Willa papers regarding Sophie. She says that with so much compassion considering Willa's been so rude to her this whole time. I know. Um, and, right? And then the deputy um, comes in and does exactly what Scully says. The deputy, I didn't even know if the deputy was movable. What's that from? It's from a blooper. Okay, so the deputies demand that um, Willa releases Sophie into their protective custody. So cut to Kyle. We're like, why do the cops care? Right? Like, who gives a fuck? Although I'm not surprised, honestly. I take it back. I'm not surprised that they give this much of a shit about an animal. Not that I don't give a shit. I know what you mean. It's just misplaced when you're doing that, but you're also not giving a shit about humans. Yep, exactly. Like, it just doesn't click, that disconnect. Um, so, cut to Kyle. I didn't realize that his name was Kyle until this point. Um, oh, wow. This is when I learned. That's okay. Uh, so, Willa goes in to visit him, and they clearly know each other well. Um, they... Eh, 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 eh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, nothing happens here. Uh, she, they fight about where Willa is going, and she tells Kyle that Sophie's pregnant, but, like, he still won't help her. Um, so, where Willa, that made no sense. Hold on. They fight about where Sophie is going, and then she tells, Willa tells Kyle that Sophie is pregnant, but he still won't help her. So, cut to where they're transporting Sophie, and Scully um, brings Mulder a newspaper showing that Willa um, and Kyle, like, did activism stuff together did activism stuff together yep you know just they were they were um uh activist bf and activist gf yes <laughs> so that's all that happens there so then we see there's a lot of like snippets in yeah so then we see kyle coming to the zoo um to talk to willa um bright light again uh sophie escapes kyle dies also invisible same thing Willa tells Scully... Confusion. Same confusion. So then we see Willa telling Scully and Mulder about it. Um, Scully looks stunning here. During this, Scully pinpoints Willa's soft spot around her past relationship with Kyle and questions her about that for a bit. Because, you know, her, her a woman can sense these things. <laughs> um, so Willa then 
Miss, I've slept with my coworkers as well. I, yep. So Willa then redirects and is like, well, Mulder thinks it's alien abduction. And before Scully can be annoyed, Mulder is whispering in her ear and asking if he can talk to her for a second, um, which is definitely something that he does when she's mad later in their relationship because he knows his breath on her neck makes her knees buckle. All the thoughts just go away. (laughs) (laughs) She feels a warm, cool, warm, cool. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's how she would be thinking in the moment. (laughs) She's like, what's that warm, cool, hot, cold breeze I just felt (laughs) on my neck? So Mulder thinks that Willa might have killed Kyle. And then um, he sends Scully to analyze the body, which is kind of rude of him. And then he checks out the crime scene. Well, Scully thinks that um, Scully basically makes a note that Kyle and Willa had some, she suspects that they had some former um, relationship mm-hmm. and she says lover and it's just music to my ears. Lover. Their hard R. <laughs> lover. Mulder checks out the crime scene. Mulder sees Ed leaving kind of suspiciously, so he follows him. And then we see Ed arrive at some kind of storage place with a gun. Cut to Scully talking to Willa while Willa packs up her desk. Um, Scully tells her that she found evidence that Kyle died a wrongful death. Aren't all deaths kind of wrongful? Unless, like, whatever. Not the point. Just a weird terminology thing. Um, Unless Unless it's a woman killing a man who's wronged her? Yes. Yeah. Then they're all wrongful. Um, yep. Um, so apparently Kyle was hit with a cattle prod. Um, and Scully Ooh. goes to... Yeah, painful. And Scully goes to arrest Willa, but Willa says that it was um, actually Ed and that it was an accident because Kyle surprised him. Ed was getting Sophie for Willa, um, and he has her in some building on the road to Boise where Mulder is. Um, Mulder catches Ed and makes him um, show him where Sophie makes is. Makes him pay. Yeah, makes him pay. <laughs> oh, wish he'd make me pay. Um, so Sophie's like freaking the fuck out in the room she's locked in she's throwing herself against the door Um, Mulder is like well she's scared and Ed's like she's gonna kill herself And like yeah she's locked in a storage room like she's a gorilla not meant to be there Um, so Mulder sends Ed in with a tranquilizer gun Sophie jumps on Mulder then Ed locks him in there with Sophie and he says peace (laughs) and so Mulder tries to talk down the gorilla, and at this point, I'm like, where am I? You know? Yeah. Like, I just, I, I wonder, I'm like, how did I get to this point? This is a bad trip at this point. Um, she pounces on him. So, Sophie starts doing a sign, and there's a dramatic bright light, and then Sophie's gone. Uh, cut to Scully finding Mulder. Her telling him to lie down is, is very sexy. Also, it's really funny because... As she's like trying to figure out what happened, she ke- her hand keeps like going to fix his hair, but she keeps stopping herself. And she's like, ah, "I know your head probably hurts, but like, oh, your she's hair, like, oh. like she's like, oh my god, your hair looks so bad. Like, oh can my I god, please fix it." <laughs> she's like, "Oh my god, I want to caress, but like also your hair." Ugh. So Scully tells um, Mulder that Ed has been arrested, and Mulder just says that Sophie's gone, and then he runs out. Um, he shows Willa the sign that Sophie did, and apparently it means man saves man. And then there's a radio report that they found Sophie, and they um, get there, and she's dead. And we see Willa sobbing over her body, which just seems extra cruel and sad and unnecessary on literally all fronts. Um, I agree 100%. And it's also, I can't sum up much about this episode. <laughs> like, why the animals were invisible, I don't know. Um. 
But what I do know is that they, uh, the aliens were, I sound like Scully, <laughs> the aliens <laughs> were forcibly and non-consensually taking the embryos out of these female animals and then killing the animals. I mean, they didn't kill them directly, but they put them in an environment where they knew they would get killed. Mm-hmm. Nice. Which is also funny because that's Scully's entire narrative in season nine with William. Yep. And it, and it was taken from the worst episode in season two yeah. about an invisible elephant. I mean, exactly. It's just, it's disturbing to see how many of these storylines parallel Scully's eventual storyline watching these beginning episodes because that's like definitely not the first time we've noticed something like that well it's just the only difference is like in season nine instead of a gorilla being scared of an unknown entity um taking her baby it's uh an entire human woman yep being terrified that someone's gonna kill her baby or that someone's gonna take her baby who is also very much so a human child Mm -hmm. and they just took that entire plot from this episode yep they're like you know what was a good episode remember that elephant one where they're taking their kids like what if we did that to scully wouldn't that be fun and then everybody agreed i mean that makes sense season nine makes there's no no sense no it's it it has about as much um coherence as this episode the whole season yeah Okay, so then, um, so our agents drive away, and in a voiceover, we find out that both Ed and Willa were charged with murder, so it's just another casual episode where a woman's life is completely destroyed, and we just move on and drive away. It's just interesting to, like, see, to, like, when you think about, like, the fact that when you got there, her life was, like, she was going through stuff, but then by the end of it, it's completely destroyed, and you're just like, okay, peace. Like, that's just unsettling when how how often that happens like same with aubrey same with mrs budahas from episode two like happens so often and it's also really funny because it's just striking me now i think every single person that we saw in this episode is either dead or in prison yeah oh my god you're right so it's like they really said we just have to kill off or get rid of every that's how you write a good story and if you ask chris carter he would agree Uh, jesus christ it's a really good point um so there's a long shot of them just staring blankly as they drive for like a really long time and it was really really funny to me um they like don't cut to anything else it is just this one shot of them staring forward while the voiceover happens and the voiceover is basically saying that um will the survival of the human race be in the hands of these beings we don't know or will man save man whatever the fuck that means well it's like his his big take um (laughs) that presents the question of like whether or not we will end up having to rely on an extraterrestrial entity to sustain the animal and in fact the human race like fuck off yeah by taking women's ova and embryos is that how we preserve the human race because natural conception will eventually not be enough to sustain us as if we as if like since the like beginning of the 20th century we weren't on track to be overpopulated literally like what we're not gonna so to have like the biggest spike in population (laughs) yeah and they're like what if we run out of people then i guess we'll just have to start taking women's ovas out of them without their consent 
Oh, so fucking disgusting. This Anyways, that's the, that's the bullshit episode, but Scully looked pretty. Also, overpopulation isn't even a thing. It's just that <laughs> we we put people who we don't care about in areas that are unlivable, despite the fact that there are areas that are perfectly livable, but racism exists and class yep. classism exists. But it still stands that the population has grown exponentially. And so the fact, and it was even at this point in the nineties, the fact that they literally made that a plot. So fucking weird. So silly. All based around an invisible elephant. I don't remember this episode being so grim either. I know. I didn't either. Because you think about an invisible elephant, you're like, LOL, silly. And then when you watch it, you're like, oh, everybody dies or is in prison. And then Mulder and Scully just drive off staring blankly into space. No emotion. Like, nothing. Like, they give them no prompt. They're like, just drive and we'll film you for a while. And then they used all of the footage. (laughs) All of it. I want to know what was going through Jillian's head at that moment. She was. I just, know. She's probably like, I need to feed my child. And then David was like, monkeys clapping. <laughs> Thanks. Monkey toy. <laughs> that's funny. True. Um, I feel like that's like that pretty much sums up like Mulder and Scully in the cars. Like Scully's like going through the problems of the world, like all on her head. And meanwhile, you go to Mulder and it's like. Dang, 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 dang. <laughs> the <laughs> percussion monkey yeah while he's looking like real thoughtful do you want to do jillian's corner let's do jillian's corner jillian won a golden globe <laughs> nothing to say other than this is a special jillian's corner golden globes edition yeah because we're just so proud of her and i want to um give a big thank you to emily who facetimed me in (laughs) to watch the golden globes while i was on the freeway in traffic um Um, i was in a parking lot at one point i had to pull over because it was just too much i was trying to get food it was a whole thing and emily really got me through it all well because they really they really just put all of the categories into a mixer and just said yeah fuck it there was no correlation (laughs) to that at all zero correlation and so Jillian's ended up being like one of the last ones I know which is unusual for supporting actor I know. actress so weird but she fucking won she won her face was so cute when she won she's that that just makes me because normally I'm like Ugh, award shows you know yeah but well, it means nothing so, and it's all so subjective but she was so proud of herself and you can tell she just poured her entire heart, body, and soul, and mind, and every single tear into this role. And clearly it was a labor of love for her. Yeah. And she's really proud of herself. And so I think that that just makes it really special. And like, even though fuck Peter Morgan, like it seems like there was a cool community within the crown cast, the crown casting crew. And that seems cool. I, I agree. And I think, and I was happy that, um, she talked about costume and makeup. And she talk- I feel like that was truly her support system. And Absolutely. they've gotten to do so many interviews with her, which has been so cool. And she thanked that magical community of women. And I was like... <laughs> There's something very special about Jillian Anderson thanking women in her life who make her better. And calling them magical? like. <laughs> and her speech was less chaotic than normal. 
I think that in my head, that's a product of the ad that she had to take out when she won her Emmy in 1997 um, because she forgot or chose not to thank the um, casting crew of the X-Files and instead chose to thank all of her family. Mm -hmm. Um, And that didn't sit well with the people at Fox or the people on the X-Files. So so annoying because she literally swept that award season that had already thanked everybody. Multiple times. Like with the Golden Globe, with the SAG Awards, she had done it. Like, God forbid she fucking thanks her family. And so that made me a little sad because yeah. I just hope that she doesn't feel the pressure to, like, name every single person because it should just be natural. If fucking Mark Ruffalo can sit there and go off on this whole rant and be given two minutes to talk while she's struggling to get in everyone who made this possible for her and who supported her along this journey. And then she doesn't even have to time to say other things that maybe she wanted to say. That's yeah. wrong. Like it's, um, well, it's like, if you watch those videos, like they give him so much more time to speak and they start the music so early on her speech. They start the music less than a minute into her speech. Yeah, someone someone timed it. They gave Mark Ruffalo, I think, about two and a half minutes, and they gave her less than a minute. But she fucking won, and she looked beautiful, and her dress was amazing. She's with her dog. And the tech guy. <laughs> and that tech guy, who seemed just so supportive. So I'm just thinking, like, maybe we should just throw out our favorite true Jillian moments from awards cool. that she's accepted. Yeah, let's do a little awards corner of, like, favorite bits. I love like that. Like just the rawest moments from her. Well, it's definitely when she thanked Piper in the Emmys and took a really deep breath that we talk about all the time. The Golden Globes, you mean? Yeah, that was the last was time that, she won a Golden Globe. Was that Golden Globes? Mm-hmm. I'm just so, I'm so, again, I'm so proud of her because she's really proud of herself and that yeah. makes me really happy. And her face just said it all. And I haven't stopped watching her face since she won when she heard her name announced. I know. So it's been great for me. Yeah, her dress was absolutely stunning, but I will forever rage at this fucking pandemic and no one getting their shit together and so many incompetent governments and people, citizens with zero brain cells putting other people at risk for not getting to see her walk in this dress. Yeah. I will forever be mad at all of you. <laughs> it was homophobic is what it is. COVID is homophobic. This is evidence. Well, especially because like Jodie Foster won, uh, Rosamund Pike won. Who else? The first woman of color won best director. And was the first like, female director to win in 40 years. The last female director to win a Golden Globe was Barbara Streisand for Yentl 40 years ago. And I think there's only been one other, there's only been three women who have won Golden Globes for director, like in the history of ever, I think. No woman has ever won an Oscar. No, one woman has. It's the same. It's Catherine Bigelow is the only um, female director Oscar winner. And it was for Hurt Locker in 2009. I mean, yeah, we could talk about how fucked up the film industry uh, is when it comes to rewarding um, people of color who aren't white men. Yeah. The moral of the story is this is a celebration of Jillian Anderson and the talent that she has always had. Yeah. And I'm so happy she's 
being recognized for it. She deserves it. She absolutely. So proud of her. It. Oh my god. And there's so much to come. Yeah, I know. How exciting. The best is How, yet like, to come. I know. Amazing. <laughs> so that's the episode. episode. That's the episode. We'll put our favorite award show moments in the thread. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you. We love you to pieces. Um, stay away from zoos and invisible elephants. <laughs> and Peter Morgan. And, and Peter Morgan. <laughs> and we'll see you next time on The Sex Files. Bye. Bye.